Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. We're in the middle of Double Game Week 29 and an unusual Tuesday pod for us. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Pros. Pros, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Very unusual. Very unusual. I think first time we've potted on, on Tuesday. Um, and even more unusual is six Premier League games left and we've potted. I mean, it's it's just tough, right? I mean, yeah. you're traveling tomorrow day after. Coming to London, I can reveal, uh, as we did, uh, we had a little bit of a teaser last week, but yeah, Sonaldo's in London, yeah. and uh, <laughs> there will be a an appearance that Sonaldo and I will do in some other forum over the weekend, which people should look out for, but uh, it'll be good to see you. It'll be great to see you. Um, yes, uh, 12, I think 12-hour flight tomorrow, I'm looking forward to that, not really. Uh, but very, very excited to meet you in person, Pros, and as well as a couple of members of the FPL community. And as you said, uh, we're doing a sort of appearance on Saturday together. So do look out for that. And we'll kind of reveal what it is later down the week. Um, but yeah, how's your game going, Pros? It's all fine. It's all fine. I think uh, yeah. bench boost has worked, but then it was always going to work. I mean, remember all season we've been saying the bench boost will work this season because the assets from very, very good teams are very, very cheap. So that has also coincided with a week where there's been no premiums that you've needed, apart from Kane maybe, and you can argue Salah, but even Salah, you didn't have to go for him. Yeah. So in a week where you don't have to go for a De Bruyne or a Haaland or any other premium, you can fill your bench with all the 15 that you want. Uh, so it was going to do well. But I think overall the week, if you count all 15, if if the average is around 70, yeah. then that is only okay. It's not like a bumper game week. But uh, yeah, so far so good. Yeah, there's been an interesting discussion on our, you know, WhatsApp group chats about how to actually, you know, kind of compare your bench boost points to others. Triple captaincy is easy because your triple captaincy is based on other your triple captaincy versus other people's triple captaincy. Bench boost is much more difficult to mathematically sort of objectively see who's who's done better correct yeah i mean look there's there's a few things that bench boost complicate which is number one you took transfers leading up to this mm-hmm. for the bench boost right i mean people won't have sold zinchenko for sure if they weren't on bench boost they would have just benched zinchenko so you took hits for the bench boost and then you now you count your shaw points now shaw hasn't done well but let's take another example like botman it could be anyone else so that's the first thing that you've led. So you could have done other transfers for those hits that may have gained you better points. You don't yeah. know that. Number two, who do you bench is always yeah. a question. Because, you know, calls. ultimately it's your 15. Yeah. 
and who you decide you're not really putting the same amount of thought between who to bench because all of you are playing. So some people have benched Shaw, some people have benched Tony, some people have Watkins, maybe correct, but maybe not. So again, that is that is a dispute. So what is the right number? I think for me, the way to look at it is what is the average for non-bench boosters and what is the average for bench boosters? And that basically, that delta tells you mm. that what was on average a successful bench boost or not. So I think game week 27, for example, the average was way above like 27 or something for above the average for the bench boosters. This week, it, we will see what it is because most of the bench is, is, is to play their second game. So, yeah. And then the third thing is how do you get out of the bench boost, which is another complication. A lot of people now have 15 good players and to have good doublers for 34, they will now have to sell their strikers for Greenwoods or yeah. their second keeper for a... Iverson or something, and then you'll also incur hits. So it's complicated. Ultimately, most points equals best chip, and it's very difficult to say for bench boost. Yeah, well said at the at the end there. Ultimately, the most points is what you, what matters at the end. Um, guys, welcome welcome to the stream. We see a lot of uh, you know familiar faces, and and I, I guess some new names as well. Big A, you're correct. We started early for the first time in our entire burning questions career by a minute. Um, so that was nice, uh, Ragnar. Good morning from the East Coast. Uh, I think possibly New York or or the U.S. East Coast. So good to see you, my friend. And also good afternoon from Uganda, Arston. So good to see you as well. Um, I am potting from Seoul and uh, process from London. So um, you know, worldwide burning questions fans and and us as well. So good to see everybody. Um, so today we're Sorry, we're sort go of ahead. Sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, this thing has stuck in my mind. Oh, that you're right, taking correct. a twelve-hour flight. You're taking a twelve-hour flight. Can you get take get down from the flight and try to play a football game within the next twelve hours and tell us is it really difficult? Is the jet lag so bad that you can't <laughs> after a twelve-hour flight play a football game? Uh, you know what? I'll I'll get off the flight. I'll go to the hotel and I'll go for like a three-kilometer run and see how it is. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. You tell yeah. us your time. That's uh yeah, and we'll next week we'll we'll kind of go back to this and and talk about it and see how it felt. Obviously, I'm not a Premier League athlete, so it's probably a little bit different, but we'll see. Yeah, it's all relative. South Africa, Australia, good to see you guys. Miami as well, awesome. Okay, so today I think since we're midweek, I don't think there's too much to discuss in terms of you know this actual game week because it's not over. Plus game week 30, a lot of us have one transfer in mind. It is, are we going to get Holland back or not? But today we're going to go sort of team by team discussion and talk about the players as well as, as the teams. But at this, before we do that, you know, we're going to talk about a very interesting subject matter, which is all these managers are getting fired and new managers are incoming. I think the summer is going to be more interesting because we've got some, you know, free agent market managers that are available for certain teams like Chelsea and, and Tottenham as well. So uh, initial thoughts on on what we have up here as well as all the managers that are being let go. Uh, I mean, it's been a trend for for years now where the, the expiry date on managers or, or the sell-by date is, is getting shorter and shorter. Um, look, I mean, let's take it one by one. I think Conte at, at Spurs uh, leaving was pretty much inevitable. I mean, he had lost interest in the job. Um, but the fact that it's, it's, it's interesting that they are not looking for anybody yet and they're still going with the with the assistant manager, which is fine. I mean, he's he's done okay, but you saw the performance yesterday. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah. It was the same. I mean, same it was thing. the same yeah. performance. There was no difference. So you talk about new manager bounce or no manager bounce. 
I think the team has checked out. So that's, for me, almost a team issue where you need somebody to sort of revitalize them and maybe they will just drag their heels till the end of the season, which is ironic because they're fourth. You would think that they were, we're talking yeah. about a team that is in 10th or 12th, but they're actually fourth and they went above Man United. Man United have two games left. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about Spurs first on um, what what are your thoughts on who they go for and uh, how they end the season. No, I mean, you're exactly right. Nothing changed the same thing. I think it's down to the players as well. The issue with Conte was, obviously, there was some interview stuff as well. He's still a proven manager, not in the Champions League, but in the Premier League, and as well as, you know, Serie A. And, um, you know, he's a winning winning manager. But I think the issue was that even if he had a strict philosophy, the players weren't able to match it, as well as, you know, they didn't play exciting football, right? It was uh, very one-dimensional sort of crossing and and not even the 352 or or yeah 352 we expected to see so it didn't work out i i think they're going to be fighting for possibly um uh, uh Nagelsmann right now but now that the Chelsea spot is open um it's between Chelsea and Tottenham for that spot and if i am you know Nagelsmann then i probably would go to Chelsea at this point in time because of the plethora of young, you know, up and coming talent, as well as proven assets that they do have, plus the money as well. So uh, it'll be very interesting who they go for in the summer um, or in the summer. Yeah. I mean, you're right that Nagelsmann may pick Chelsea, but ironically, I think he may fit better at Spurs. I mean, it's a speculation because he typically has worked with players who are happy to get better and he does make them better. Whereas at Chelsea, he'll get... You know, I mean, you would say a lot of superstars who are expensive, albeit they've not done it in the Premier League. But, you know, it, it, it's it's a tougher but a better project at Spurs. But I, I agree with you. I think because of Levy, because of the fact that a lot of players are looking to go out rather than come in, I think Chelsea will be where he ends up. So, yeah. talking about Chelsea, very disappointed with Potter. Um, I mean, you can't even fault it. I mean, you can a little bit because you you wanted him long term. It, it feels a little bit like I mean, I know I'm comparing David Moyes to uh, to Potter, but when Man United basically yeah. changed after Sir Alex Ferguson got David Moyes, it was supposed to be for three four years because the guy was supposed to get time, and that was the whole idea. Yeah, good but analogy, yeah. We, we panicked in eight months, and this is what they're doing as well. But Chelsea have been so, so bad that no one could have imagined. Like, you're not even seeing shoots of recovery or some signs of that, you know, things are going to change next season. Yeah. Um, but it's been hard. So so hard on Potter. But Potter's not now joining Leicester, right? So that's the other one where uh, he's sort of ruled himself out until the end of the season. And you may actually see Leicester go for an interim coach a bit like Crystal Palace and, and have him just whoever comes in till the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, all good points. I actually want to do sort of a rundown of of all the managers that that have been let go real quick. Um, Believe it or not, Pross, 12 managers have been let go this season. Even I was very shocked at at this number because your your memory in football is so quick. You forget about, you know, all these names, you know. The last thing that matters is the result of the, you know, previous game. So the same thing, all these managers have been let go. Let's begin with Scott Parker early, I think, end of August, you know, 0-9 loss to Liverpool, I think it was a quite an early fire. I know it's a zero nine loss, but maybe they could have hung on hung on for a little bit longer with him. Then obviously we talked about Tuchel. Then Bruno Lage from Wolves got let go. Had a decent yeah. season, decent season last year, but I think this season they were just not lethal in attack at all. I mean, defensively decent, but were unable to get any goals. 
Then you had Stevie G, Gerard let go. He transferred in Diego Carlos, injured straight away, very unfortunate there, but just couldn't get results. And this is one of the cases where it was a good let go because, you know, Emery comes in and, and now they're ninth in, in the league and they're looking more, more and more decent. Um, Hassan Otol, um, obviously a longtime good manager for Southampton, you know, implemented his philosophy, decent results throughout the years. But, you know, you just he was just not getting results. So he's been let go. I think Nathan Jones came in, obviously even worse. Uh, and now... Yeah. Um, I think it's Sellis that that's uh, in charge. So uh, Southampton uh, in trouble here. You got Lampard uh, off to a decent start, actually. Seven goals allowed in their first eight fixtures. Issue was, you know, no attack again. And under Lampard, they had, I think, three wins, six ties, 11 losses. Then you get Daesh and three wins, two ties, three losses. The master of survival, right? So mm-hmm. um, there's a reason why guys like Daesh and, you know, who's the new Crystal Palace Hudson uh Roy is is longtime sort of legendary managers in their own right because they're able to sorry maybe too too much of a word but you know very solid managers in their own right because they're able to last this long right I know you're laughing there I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're fit for purpose I mean Roy mm-hmm. Hodgson has managed England in one of the worst tournaments that I, I've witnessed as an Indian fan <laughs> so I, fair, know, fair. No, I'm not close to legend but yeah he they do a job you know like Sam the Allardyce yeah. these guys I hope that this breed of managers sort of, you know, we don't, there's enough good managers out there now. And the Premier League has some of the best managers, despite the 11 sackings or 12 sackings this year, has some of the best managers uh, in the world. So you could get other solutions rather than getting the old guys who have gone through this formula of defense first, defense first, save relegation, and then have a really poor next season, get fired halfway through the next season. It's just a cycle of, uh, continuity that never ends. So, <clears throat> but I hear you. I think if yeah. they can save them in the Premier League, then the job is done. Yeah, art, art of survival. You got Jesse Marsh. Obviously, you know lots of running, lots of pressure, lots of attack. But twenty league games, four wins, six ties, ten losses. I think Leeds had a lot of decent games as well, like a lot of close games, and you know, like kind of three two losses, you know, two one losses type of thing. Vieira, obviously, I thought he was doing really great. But after their win in January 1st, I think he was against Portmouth, they've gone on to have five ties, five ties and eight losses. So no matter how good the the play might be at times, if the results don't come, you're let go. So that's the sort of sad case with Vieira. I'm sure we'll see him back in the Premier League. Um, you know, he's proven himself as a very talented manager and I think a more of a man manager in itself. So we'll I hope to see him back in the league. We talked about Conte and then, you know, the main two recently of Rodgers and Potter. So uh, we'll be interested to see what happens to Leicester if they survive and who's going to come in, uh, as well as Chelsea, who's going to, you know, probably go for a big name in the summer. Um, yeah. So there we go. Would 12 you, managers let go. Would you now, knowing what you know, let's say I told you now, um, beginning of game week 29, that Leicester are going to lose their manager or Brendan's going to leave. Would you have gone for Madison or, or Barnes, knowing that now they play... I think they have two good games, right? Bournemouth yeah. at home next yeah. game week. And who did they have this one? Aston Villa at home. Would you have gone for that? Just I think, for a... Yeah, good, good question. I think generally I am a believer in new manager balance. Um, it's just a human-to-human thing, right? You, you're just getting tired and tired of the of the same environment and you want to change and the change comes and you have a chance to prove yourself. 
I think I would have considered Madison much more. But also, you know, we talk about um, Iannaccio becoming, uh, you know, sort of caged within Brendan Rodgers for a couple of years. A lot of people talk about, you know, even Late Riser as well as, um, you know, Walsh from FML FPL. I always listen to him and they're always hyping up uh, Iannaccio as, as an amazing player, right? So I think he's been caged for a couple of years. So possibly we'll, we'll see um, him explode as well. But I think I would have gone for Madison, or at least consider Madison much more if if I knew Rodgers was getting fired, yeah. And the other thing is, by the way, there is no new manager yet. It's like an interim manager. So no, I, I don't think every time you get an interim manager bounce, right? I mean, new manager yeah. bounce makes sense. New players, uh, new manager, basically players want to impress them. And so they put in a lot more effort and those who are dragging their heels, either they leave or, you know, so there's, there's, a, there's a change. Even Gerard and Lampard got new manager bounces. It doesn't last but there is an element of that. Yeah. But I think with the with the interim manager, it's more a case of sometimes you can get it. Like you got it with Man United when Ole took as interim manager. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy manager bounce. But that was more because people were so happy that Mourinho left that they were just, uh-huh. you know, Pogba was unleashed. So you could see a little bit of that maybe with Iannaccio, as you mentioned. But you saw with Spurs, it's sometimes it's absolutely nothing and it's completely dire. And until somebody really new comes in, there is no bounce. So... I guess we will see. I mean, this this evening, before we go into the next matches, what are you hopeful for? Because a lot of people are in the chat also discussing, you have Brighton, Bournemouth. So I think you and I both have the same assets, right? Mitoma, March and... Uh, Stupinan. Stupinan. So yeah. I, I've seen some forums where they're talking about some benchings for... Oh, God. Stupinan or possibly uh, McAllister goes back into, um, you know, the pivot. Yeah. I guess we can't do anything, but looking forward to Mitoma in March. I mean, not really, right? I think Mitoma Mitoma is uh, over 100 percent EO for me, so unfortunately, I'm rooting against him. Um, but yeah, it's minimal though. Like it's very minimal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's like 101 percent. So I, I guess it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think it's time March gets us three returns, right? At least three minimum, possibly 16 mi- March returns. <laughs> This weekend. Uh, how many points has he dodged, uh, so including many. like yeah. actual points where he scored and he didn't get? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, March owes a lot of his owners. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hope he returns, but um, you know my hopes aren't high to say the least. And it's so funny because, pros our a lot of our teams or a lot of us engaged managers have let's be honest very similar teams. And look, even as uh, I guess content creators, we're not trying to be different for the sake of being different like they're all you know popular picks for a reason right and the fact that i'm rooting against walk-ins because he's damaging you know my rank quite a bit is so sad like um you know um so i guess i'm not looking forward to that game but for you walk-ins owners like there's some gain for for his returns i guess yeah yeah, Villa Leicester, this was the fixture I had down as a fixture with a lot of goals. But this was when Brendan Rodgers was still there. But this was for me like a 3-2 game or something like that because both teams gave up a lot of big chances. So I'm expecting still, maybe, I mean, you know, I, he's not going to fix things overnight. Um, the Leicester-Villa game to have a few goals. And then Chelsea-Liverpool, there's been some rumours on a lot of changes in the Liverpool lineup, which I, even if there are, I would be shocked if if Salah is one of them. I mean, I've, there's been yeah. some rumors that that, that Trent, VVD, um, even uh, I think Jota might miss out. But yeah, I can't see Salah missing out. I mean, talk to me about Chilwell. 
how frustrating uh what can you do man i mean yeah. this this year um I, you know when when chilwell's goal was ruled out i mean we were we were on our group chat and i was like yeah it is what it is man i mean what can you do i mean the guy to come up with zero points after that game where yeah, he was crazy. the most attacking the most forward player yeah not in the defenders not in the midfielders even in, he was as in line with jao felix and yeah. havertz and you can see it as well watching the match it's absolutely crazy that he comes crazy. up with nothing yeah he got a goal too and it was ruled offside i think yeah, yeah. which was fair that push was fair yeah it's fair it's fair if i uh, uh, fine it was fair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. all right let's yeah. go on to our topic then yep let's do it okay so we have a fixture ticker from game week 30 to 38 um we've taken out game week 32 here um so you can see at the top United, Liverpool, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Man City, Brighton, West Ham, and so goes and so so goes on. So, I guess we'll go sort of team by team. Or any you know comments about the fixture layout from here on out? Well, we've taken out thirty-two because it's a popular free hit week. If you're not in a free hit, there's also a visual that we'll show at the end, which is uh, including game week thirty-two. Doesn't change a lot. Uh, between game week 30 if you don't take out game week 32 then arsenal isn't right at the bottom chelsea go right to the bottom because of their blank in game week 32 and liverpool go right to the top of of the fixture ticker if you're not playing your free hit in 32 but for the moment because free, uh, game week 32 is so popular for a free hit and it has become even more obvious because people have made transfers to sort of go into that strategy because basically taking out Arsenal for Man United, you have committed yourself to Game Week 32 free hit, essentially. Yeah. So that's why we've taken it out. So we wanted to now look at what happens from here on. Because people, are, people including ourselves, were so focused on this massive double game week. Everything we were thinking about was how to get this bench boost right, how to get maxima, maximum benefit from this biggest double of the season. Now let's move away from that. Let's think if we were starting a team today, in fact, one of the ideas was maybe let's make a wildcard team. We didn't get time to do that. But if we were starting with a blank sheet, what would what are the players we target from these teams and which are the teams we target until the end of the season, assuming there's a free hit in Game Week 32? So uh, that was the idea of doing what we do today. Yeah. Uh, let me start with Man United. Um, this was a very tough game against Newcastle. And it's... The third poor performance in a row. I mean, you can also say Southampton was also poor. Uh, but if you if you include Liverpool, if you include the Fulham FA Cup game, and you include the Newcastle game, it was poor. Yeah. There's another two games where Casemiro is out. But both Casemiro and also Ericsson are expected to be back soon. And this is going to change everything for me. And that, in addition to the fact that they're top of the fixture ticker with two doubles to come in game week 34, and there will be a double in game week 37. Mm -hmm. uh, that is very likely to happen. So it is a team that you want to target. If they're top, even without the second double being factored in here, they play Nottingham Forest, Everton, Villa, West Ham, Wolves, Bournemouth, and Fulham between now and the end of the season. I think I think you just go for their two or three assets. Some people, I think pretty much everyone has got Rashford. Many people have got either Bruno Fernandes or Shaw. And some people have both, I think, like you and me. Yep. So, or, sorry, all three. So, therefore, I think you just sit with them. I think they're they're set and forget now for the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, especially if you have, you know, most of us will be free hitting in game week 32. So, it just kind of works out perfectly. 
where they're in a blank, and then they have a double and you know two doubles in thirty four as well as thirty seven. So just fix your layout; it makes sense. Um, I also think that it is Shaw, Rashford, and Bruno. But if there was a fourth option, um, is there anyone you would consider possibly? Martinez or De Gea, but then you don't want to double up in defense. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, unless there's an injury, and I really hope we don't get any other injuries, but let's say Anthony or Sancho are out, mm-hmm. then the other one who's fit becomes an option. Martial becomes a very outside option, but I don't think... I think Vegors is just a stable, easy guy that they've gone with, and, and Martial might might sort of ease in. So you don't want to... As I said, you want these players now till game week 38. For me, the only question with Man United is, do you commit, if you haven't yet, to Bruno now, or do you wait... Because the thing is, like we talked about in the last pod, if you have two Brighton mids, you have Rashford, yeah. you have Salah. Yeah. Do you want to go for a City mid or do you want to go for a Bruno? Yeah. Or do you want to go for a Liverpool, second Liverpool mid for Game Week 34 double? So yeah. that's going to be a question because obviously Bruno is expensive. I don't think he's worth 10 million. Yeah. So Me too. he's mm-hmm. more like an 8 million mid at the moment. And he's a he's a fine 8 million mid. I mean, he, he would give you similar points to a Madison... Or a or a Diaz, a fit Diaz, or a Foden if he was playing for the team, or a Mares. So I think he's of that ilk. He's not a ten million mid, but then he has penalties as well. So he's fine, and he, you know, if your budget allows, you can go for him. But I don't think it's a no brainer to have Bruno in your team. Yeah, I agree. That's why I kind of ask who the fourth would be if you you didn't have Bruno in it. But we didn't. You didn't even mention the Arsenal midfield assets there. So um, yeah, you know. Um, and I guess some people are even considering them for 34 and beyond. So it'll be very interesting where we land in game week 34. I think there are some variations here. It's not as straightforward as you might think. Um, and I think that segues really nicely into the solid topic as well as the Liverpool options, um, especially if you're thinking about game week 34 as an opportunity to, um, you know, kind of triple up, double up on Liverpool assets. I know they just had a you know bad game against City, but it was City uh, doing super well in the second half, especially. Liverpool have a fixture in 32 as well as a double in 34. So if you do not have a free hit in 32, I think it makes sense to start thinking about going for them, which is why you've also seen some managers go for Salah for a hit um, before game week 29. Uh, where are you Where are you standing with the Liverpool assets? Um, I, I'm sure you're going to get Salah in your team, but uh, who would your second and third sort of options be? I don't think I can get to a third given mm-hmm. how expensive they are. So my target for Game Week 34 is to get Salah and Trent. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, let's say, Grealish or, or a City mid become too enticing, because I only have one slot, either for Salah or a City mid, or an Arsenal mid, which I don't think I'll get by Game Week 34. So <clears throat> my route to Salah and others will be basically Kane, Barnes, and Chilwell. Mm-hmm. They can all, given the money in the bank, they can become a Greenwood Salah and Trent, or they could become Darwin, Grealish and Trent. So something like that. Mm. So I think I can only get to two, which is fine. Or I could do Gakpo, Darwin and Trent. But I don't think triple up is as necessary given given Liverpool's form and the fact that Diaz and Jota and everybody is back. So I'd, I think my, my current thinking is just Salah and Trent. Is there a way to get to Darwin as your third option? Because I know you're not, you're saying they're not as critical but from 34 onwards to the end of the season they have pretty solid you know fixture ticker so um... could just no money man i mean mm-hmm. you can't have bruno and Haaland and salah and darwin and trent 
Yeah. They yeah. just aren't. Yeah. And especially if Bruno's going to be doubling at 37 again, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough layoff or trade-off. Yeah. So back to people who are thinking about no Bruno, let's say in my setup, I can get to Salah and Trent, but because I have Bruno, I can't. But people could, instead of Bruno, have Grealish. And instead of Watkins, they could have Darwin Nunes. So that's an option as well. It's it's basically what you do with that money from... But then you'll only have two from Man United for 34. Yeah. And then for 37, you do Salah back to Bruno so that you can have your three Man United for 37. So there are options around that that price point. But for that, for me, a, a City mid needs to really show, put their hand up. And when we'll come to City, we'll talk yeah, about yeah. it. I'm excited to talk about City, but... I, I mean, there's other ways around it, right? Um, if Trent and Robbo are too expensive, maybe you could do Trent and who's the cheapest Liverpool defender um, if they're showing any signs of defensive capability? No? I, we've seen 30 game weeks now. <laughs> uh, you know, there was this thing of before the restart that it's a blip and the defensive form will come back. I mean, the drop-off in their defense because of their midfield is just too stark for you to consider any defender and even because the reason for considering Trent is because he's the second best attacker or the third best attacker who may get a clean sheet point. He showed in the in the double game week in twenty five that he could he he did get a clean sheet yeah, in, in yeah. one of the games. Twenty six. He had a good game too. I think twenty six. Yeah, yeah. That was Man United. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so so you just take a punt, but I don't think getting a cheap Liverpool defender is any better because. The real estate in midfield we've talked about, but even in defense, let's talk about game week 34. I think Brighton defender, uh, a lot of people will have a Man United defender like Shaw. Okay. People might have go for a Trent, so that's three. Mm-hmm. So if you go for, for another cheap Liverpool defender, who are you benching between Shaw and a Brighton defender? Yeah. So point. now some may have Steele or some may have Edison. Then you're not maximizing on either Man City or Brighton. So therefore... It's not as easy to go for a double up in in defense. Yeah, speaking of steel, you know when when we were sort of tinkering with a game week thirty wild card, it was actually really difficult to decide who your keeper keeper would be. But I kind of came to the conclusion that, and you know, I guess this transitions into City as well, is that Ederson is a pretty decent pick if you're if you were to wild card this game week because I don't think there's a standout keeper option. Um, uh, to go for really, uh, if you look, if you go down the list of all the teams, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I the problem with Steele and Edison is basically you'll have to sacrifice. You you will not. You will have to play only one of them in thirty four and thirty seven, right? Because both mm-hmm. will double in both. So the the issue is that you you just basically just end up with a Brighton defender like Estupinian because at least you know or Dunk because at least you know that they start with with Man City you will think whether you have to, you know, you could go stones, for example, but you're getting into that same debate that we got in in the early game week 20s or whatever. Is Ake nailed? Is Akanji nailed? Is Diaz nailed? So you could punt, but I think if you want to be safe and secure and want your clean sheet points, I think, look, Man City, around the Champions League anyway, you just go for Edison. And that's what I plan to do, actually. My Pope money is going to go to Edison very soon. Yeah, no, I like it. Yep. Fulham, Crystal Palace or straight to City? Fulham, man. Fulham. Oh, yeah, Fulham. I want to talk yeah. about Fulham. People have forgotten about Fulham. I know they're looking terrible <laughs> and, you know, all that other good stuff, how they imploded against Man United. But I think people will start talking about Mitrovic again in Game Week 34. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> because, yes, his double is terrible against Man City and Liverpool. But it's Mitrovic. He's on penalties. So if you have an Ollie Watkins spot, 
and you want to take out a little bit of money, uh, you could go for a Mitrovic because then after game week 34, he also plays Leicester at home, Southampton away, Crystal Palace at home. So I think getting a Mitrovic kind of player could could be back on the menu. I don't think Andreas Pereira will come back because there's no slots in midfield. But I think people need to remember and not forget Mitrovic from game week 34. Yeah, Andrea, Andrea uh, mentions Allison, and I was thinking about Allison too. I think he he's a decent shout, but you know that's wasting a transfer on a keeper, and I, I don't think that's always a, let's call it advisable. Um, and talking about Fulham, is there a world in which we head towards possibly like a three four three, and you put Andreas Pereira um, as your you know kind of fifth midfielder? No chance. You need five mids. Yeah. You need yeah. five mids. So that those days are gone. Five, you are playing five mids now for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, most will, especially mm-hmm. those that have already committed to Bruno. You've got Bruno Rashford. You're not benching them. You've got two Brighton mids. You might bench them, but you're not selling them. And then there's a fifth slot for for Salah or someone else. Fair. So Andres Pereira is not coming into the team, but Mitrovic very much could, and that's why I wanted to highlight this. So if you're short of funds, if you're thinking about your game week 34 team and you're short of money to get Trent. You'll get it by doing Watkins or Havertz or whoever you have as your third striker to to Mitrovic. Yeah, fair point. Crystal Palace, nothing to say. Not, yeah, so City, yeah. We, uh, yeah, you go for City. City, uh, you know what? You, I what you think of it? They're they're fantastic, right? Um, I thought for me personally, Jack Grealish was probably uh, one of, if not the man of the match. Um, I mean, all of them were great, but. Um, you know, both. I think early on in the first half, both teams were kind of looking for counter opportunities, um, as in both teams were pushing really high, sort of a great back and forth counter counter attacking type of game. You know, Liverpool had their weaknesses. I think Elliot, unfortunately, is a weakness in in that Liverpool side. Um, so what I saw in the second half was City was moving the ball calmly towards the back, kind of luring the Liverpool line to push higher and higher. And then, you know, they passed the ball to Mahrez as well as Grealish. And Grealish and Mahrez were so good at holding the ball. They never lost the ball. And when they have the ball wide and they're not losing it, what happens is that, you know, you pull the defenders and, and space is created for Gundogan, Alvarez, KDB to, you know, operate in the middle with more freedom. So I thought that was sort of the nuance of the game. Um, all really good players. Grealish, you know, 27 passes into the final third is a uh, very interesting stat. Um, lots of Villa, Aston Villa type of movements, what we saw. And also a ton of running defensively as well. I think the first year with Grealish, he sort of struggled to um, go from that star role and the main star role at Aston Villa coming into a city side where he realized every other player was, you know, just as good as him or or better. Uh, But this year, I think he's getting comfortable as sort of this being a main star in a shadow role, um, let's call it. With that being said, he's had, uh, I think, 18 starts this season and only four goals and five assists. So his finishing is still a bit weak and it's not like his, you know, statistics are amazing. I know he had a goal this previous game, but we do sort of look forward. We do see his price point as very uh, enticing. We do see Foden is out. We do see that KDB is very expensive. So yeah, Grealish certainly is someone to consider as well as, uh, you know, him being a Man City asset. We don't have Man City assets in our team. And what are we doing without the best team in, in the league in our team? So I, I think Grealish is on my radar for for sure, um, and someone to consider. With that, also the final point I want to make, Pros, is that 
they have a ton of games from here on out, um, including the Champions League. So their breaks between all the games is pretty tight. Um, so I don't know what rotation is going to look like. It's honestly, we just don't know, right? Even with Holland, we just don't know. The one thing that's going for us, if we do go for a guy like Grealish or we do go for a guy like Morris or we do go for a guy like Holland is the fact that they're still fighting for the league and they need to win every single game. So uh, that is on our side. But, um, you know, in terms of minute safety, it's not screaming uh, safety um, is, is the point I was trying to make. Yeah. I mean, as 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 we always have with City, high upside, um, high, you know, high risk, high return. But I think you're right. I'm, people will struggle to get three man City because, I mean, the guy Alvarez was so good, by the way, on the weekend yeah, that so even good. even Holland is not going to get every minute of the Premier League. Now people will just have him because he's Holland and he will still score goals even if he gets thirty minutes or whatever. But for example, if Liverpool even shows some attacking form. There's going to be a captaincy conversation in in game week 34 on Haaland versus Salah. Um, so for City, I think it's a question of how many City can you get to. So a lot of people are, you know, everyone will be back on Haaland. And let's talk about Haaland now that we're on this topic as well. So we'll come to Haaland on on whether to get him this week or not. Um, but people will want to have a defensive cover and maybe another attacking cover. So I think you're right. Grealish could be the answer. Mares could be the answer. Mares was good as well, by the way, yesterday. Yep. So, you know, Gundogan could be the answer. A lot of people aren't talking about Gundogan where he's probably more nailed for minutes than even De Bruyne at the moment. So there are options, but it's again opportunity cost of what you won't have in game week 34 if you're talking about that double. Maybe game week 37 is a different story where you could look at other options. Uh, you could get rid of your Liverpool midfielder for another Man City. Maybe De Bruyne, for example, game week 37 uh, is an option. Um, <clears throat> you have Salah in 34 and then you switch him to De Bruyne in game week 37. So that, that's some of the routes that I'm looking at. In defence, as I mentioned, it's a question of who are you giving up as well. So if you go for a Trent and a Shaw and an Estupinian, for example, in my team, I have no spot for a John, uh, John Stones. Yeah, he was but some people could. Way. Yeah. Yeah. So John Stones in that you know, inverted uh, fullback role was absolutely amazing as well yeah. yesterday. So he could hold down his place, but all bets are off if they win against Bayern Munich in the Champions League because yeah. that's basically what they want to do this year. And this is why Edison becomes an option. So I think with Man City, you have to be a little bit more open. For me, regardless of how fit Holland is, if I see him in the training pitch and if Pep says that he's looking okay and he's recovering, <laughs> he's going to get minutes this week because this game week. So let's come to now game week 30 for people who don't have and a lot of them have sold Haaland and are now debating whether they bring him back in. This is where I am. If you have left the money for Haaland, then you just go get Haaland because yeah. you will have to get him at some point. And then for the dilemma for you is whether you captain him or not this game week depending on whether you think he gets 60, 70 minutes or do you think he gets 20, 30 minutes. That we will determine on the press conferences. For me, I'm going to press the button on, on Tony to Holland this week. If Tony gets a yellow card, it's not even a discussion, right? I mean, because he's banned, you'll want to deal with it and get it done with anyway. But I'm saying even if he doesn't, and you know that you're free hitting in game week 32, you're going to want Holland for these two doubles and for the rest of the season, you just go get Holland. And and if you think there's an injury doubt, you don't captain him. That's my position. And I'm even wondering if I should do the same thing for Pope to Edison. Because I think the Southampton game is good enough for a clean sheet. And I don't love either of my two keepers as fixtures. 
I might just do the the Edison hit even this week again with the same logic that I know I'm going to do it. Why not just get it done with and 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 I'm done with my two city assets when many people won't have. Where, where are you with Haaland? I mean, let's say Pep comes comes on <coughs> Friday and he says Haaland has trained, but we have to be very careful. Uh, we will see if he starts. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh... Uh, I think already a lot of people are starting to um, worry about it too much early on, and I haven't I haven't really thought about it too much except for the fact that if there's any signs that you know, regardless of whether there's any signs, he was always the plan to bring in, and you know he was always going to be my team, especially by game week 34. You need him in your team, regardless of whether he gets one start or two starts. It's just the potential for him to explode and, and damage your rank is, is too big. Um, plus, he's statistics-wise the best player in the league. So um, for me, I'm just going to make it simple and, and go for him. If there is certain news that he's out, for example, hopefully Tony doesn't get a yellow, I think I'll probably roll and, and see what I can play with in, in Game Week 31. Um, uh, because I haven't really thought too much outside the Howland transfer um, because I, that was just the plan the, the entire time, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. I just think if I wanted him, I'm okay taking 30 minutes of him. I won't captain him, but I'm okay taking 30, 40 minutes of him mm-hmm. because he will get 30, 40 minutes. And when Tony is home to Newcastle, I, you know, maybe he gets a goal, maybe he doesn't. Holland could get a goal in 30, 40 minutes anyway. So that's a transfer I'll just get done with. That's just my current thinking. So there's a question in the chat. What if you're not free hitting? I think these are the people you're in a real dilemma. If there is, if Pep is a little bit vague in his press conference, because if he's a little vague, then the best strategy is to avoid getting Haaland. You just pray that he's not fit. He gets only 20, 30 minutes. And then again, it's in the middle of the Champions League. Let's say the first leg of the Bayern Munich game is very tight. It's a draw, one all. And then you we want to protect Haaland. And again, he misses game week 31. That's your dream scenario. If yeah. you don't have a free Then you basically plan to get Haaland in game week 33 when everybody else is also getting him ahead of the doubles. So that's your scenario. And it's almost similar for people who don't have the funds left for Haaland. Because people who, you know, a lot of people heard the Saka news and and went Salah straight away. Or bought somebody else and used up the Haaland fund, which enables the Tony to Haaland move in one, one transfer. You will be in a dilemma whether you should be taking a hit this week to afford Haaland or not if he's not completely fit and especially if people are not captaining him because there are other captain options Kane is an option Rashford is an option um, Watkins is an option with Nottingham Forest at home so there are options but if Pep says he's fit then people will get twitchy fingers and want to go for him right it's not an impossible scenario for him to miss 30-31 because of the tight turnaround is what three four days maybe even two days between all the all the fixtures including champions league so it's not impossible but again you're carrying a a lot of risk with that with that kind of bet heavy bet on him missing the next three game weeks with the blank in 32 so yeah i think i I would just you know that's what's the word kiss keep it simple silly so uh, that's that's the way i'm approaching it and yeah it's very interesting process because uh you know i i obviously have the opportunity to pod with you every week and I've seen your team throughout the year and, and last year as well. And, um, guy, by the way, guys, Prost is very unlucky with this rank this year, not only his luck, but now I know you've had that like unfortunate sort of, um, you know, timing issue or the deadline issue as well. But, you know, 
when I first got to know you, I know you're more of a early hit manager type of person and then less hits throughout the you know latter part of the season. But this year, I think you're approaching it a bit differently. Pretty aggressive with the hits last week, as well as you know, you're talking about Ederson this week as well. It makes it all makes sense. But is there any reason why you know you're just kind of you know able to take hits so so much recently? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's got to do with that at all. I, I just think it's frustrating this season uh, for people who are catching up because everybody's on the same strategy or 80%. I mean, this week, 80% people played the bench boost. Um, last season, I, in fact, I had the exact same strategy where I wildcarded in game week 26, bench boosted in game week 29. But at that time, it was a differential strategy. I'm not saying last year was was right or wrong or this year is right or wrong. It just so happened. Things happen. So it's very difficult to make ground. And so if you see an opportunity, like Kamzi is saying in the chat, you know, he wants to take a hit for Grealish and, and Haaland in 30. I think go for it. Yeah, it's good. Because nobody is going to have that. And right now, your main your main differentials, I mean, Newcastle gets a clean sheet against Man United and you see, okay, rank rise. Everybody has double Newcastle uh, clean uh, defenders. So it's very difficult to sort of um, to make ground. And so at this point, if you're thinking, if you have a conviction on a certain team or a certain player and you want to get there before everyone else, like I will get Haaland now taking a risk that he starts and scores a hat-trick because I know some people will hesitate. Nice. And so that's the differential. Haaland's not going to be a differential after game week 31. Definitely not after game week 33. And when I say differential in my engaged managers list, right? I mean, I think Haaland is already 70, 80% owned. So it, that's what I'm trying to talk about. That if you think that there is an area to go different, that you could go and if it needs a hit, then just do it if that's what gets you there. Yeah. Shout out Kamsi. Kamsi was on Burning Questions at the end of last year as well. And I know Kamsi is a very aggressive hit you know, hit first type of manager who usually gives his hits like three or four weeks before he assesses him. So Kamsi has a lot of interesting meta, meta thoughts as well. So shout out to you. Um, thanks for joining us today. But okay, City done. Brighton? Brighton, I think not much to discuss. People should have their three Brightons in place. And I don't think there's any need to switch between your Brightons, regardless of whether a Stupinian is benched today or Mitoma or McAllister plays in a different position. Just deal with it. I think the only couple of things I want to talk about in Brighton is, number one, people who have steel. Mm-hmm. Do you trust? I think steel is is good. And given that he got the assist, his distribution is what Deserby wants him for. He's good to play now. Uh, but that basically means you won't be able to get a city defender. So if you if you can't go, because if you have steel in goal, you won't go Edison because of the overlapping doubles. Yeah. So you might have to think about getting a city defender. If you wanted to do that, fine. And the second thing is for people who don't have a free hit left, you might want to think about maybe selling one Brighton to go for somebody like a Liverpool or an Arsenal that can get you through game week 32. And then you get your Brighton back. And it could be a good opportunity to also switch. Maybe you're not happy with March or you're not happy with McAllister or whoever. I don't think you should be. But it's a good way to do it via not owning them in game week 32 and then getting the right one again in game week 33. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Steele is a very... And Kamsi was on deadline stream, apologies. Um, Brighton, Steele, I think is a good, you know, great option if you get all the games with him, but there's always that Sanchez luring behind. And, um, you know, it's hard to ignore because he does have a 34, 36, 37 coming up as well. So I guess the ultimate keeper in terms of how many fixtures he has. And it's it's not like uh, Stupinan is giving us attacking returns at this moment in time. So... Uh, he will, yeah, I hope so. But um, yeah, not a bad option if you get 
if you actually get the games from him. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna have to hurry because we have I have to leave in fifteen. But we've covered we've hit some of the big teams. Mm-hmm. Let's let's hit some of the other big teams. So let's come to Newcastle. I think Spurs nothing to discuss. I think people will want to hold Kane for Brighton at home and Bournemouth at home, and after that. He's disposable because you want. Uh, he's not the premium that you want as the second premium. You'll want either Salah or De Bruyne in addition to Haaland. Agree, agree. Um, so Newcastle is an interesting one, and it's interesting because a lot of people have double, and I would suggest that you keep your second uh, Newcastle defender if you can, because they have a, a double game week coming in game week thirty five or thirty six. So you want that double Newcastle defense. You saw against Man United. No matter what fixture, it's a defense to back. And yeah. only people who are very unlucky didn't get clean sheets f- from them in the easier Nottingham Forest or Wolves games, which happened in 27-28. But yeah. that's the season. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is Isak. So I think Isak was, again, great yesterday, even though he didn't get any attacking returns. And Wilson got... People might think that he might lose his spot or Wilson will get some games. I think Isak was so good. Yeah that he's going to continue to start. And you know, when I talked about Mitrovic in game week 34, another option is that instead of Watkins, you go down to a to an Isak and then you get a home to Southampton fixture in 34. You get the double in 35 or 36. And then, then that sort of sets you up better as well. So that's all on Newcastle. You have to think about getting maybe Isak as that option because I don't really see anything in midfield to go for and... Uh, Triple defense is, again, you know, you may not be able to hold it throughout. Yeah, classic FPL karma, not karma, but classic FPL scenario where uh, Isaac doesn't get a return and Wilson comes in and, and gets a goal. By the way, last last week when you were mentioning, uh, can I interest you in a minus 12 pros? Um, so I obviously wasn't thinking about it for too long. But at the end, I was thinking about doing Kane to Isaac instead of Solanke, and I, I probably would have done it, but... Unfortunately, I think I was 0.3.4 off of that. So definitely, Isaac is is probably one of the key players in the team at this moment in time for for that Newcastle attack. I don't see him getting dropped at all. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Hindu Monkey on Twitter made a very good point that you just see the impact Bruno Gamarish makes to the team, similar to what Casemiro is for Partey is for for Arsenal or or Rodri is for Man City. That that role is so important. Yeah, um, that. You know, it's uh, you just see the difference, and when C comes back in the team, I think their defense is easily you can back it as well. Yeah, agree. All right, then let's go on. Let's talk about who should we talk about? Leicester, I think nothing to talk about. If you're holding on to Madison or or Barnes, I think you obviously take the Bournemouth fixture. You, if you can bench for game week 31, even better because after game week 32, free hit, he, they play Leeds and Everton at home, so you could hold them for longer, but. You could equally use that spot to upgrade to anybody else, whoever your fifth midfielder is. Yeah. Um, Aston Villa we talked about, so I think Watkins is is a great shout. Um, potentially even a captain option. Nottingham Forest at home. The guy has been a man possessed in terms of his attacking returns since Emery has taken over. But then after that, he's either somebody you're, you're going to keep on your bench, or uh, maybe gimmick thirty three. He plays Fulham at home. That's a very playable fixture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he plays Man United away in the double. So you could basically say goodbye to him by game week 34 for one of the strikers like Mitrovic or Isak that we talked about. Everton, nothing to say. Southampton, nothing to say. Chelsea, you you tell us. Chelsea, any you've got Havertz, right? Yeah, I've got Havertz. Um, you know, I think he's going to continue to play, continue to get a lot of minutes, you know, 90-minute games. But um, 
we'll, we'll see. We'll see what this uh, not new manager, but no Potter bounce does, and and uh, it just just not promising. You know, um, I just thought Havertz was a little lackluster in this previous game. Chowal, we're happy to own, but we're not going to get any returns. But you know, five point <laughs> xG per game, the vibes, yeah, yeah, vibes, pure vibes. And now we've got a little bit of a worry and Mendy possibly coming in for Keppa. I don't think it's going to happen because Keppa's been tremendous. You know, even his shot saving is really, really good. But there's always that lurking because last season it was Mendy's spot to lose, right? So. Yeah, uh, Mendy's a good keeper. Yeah. I mean, his distribution isn't great, but he's a good stop. I mean, a bit like De Gea in, yeah. in some ways. Exactly why we, you know, earlier I was saying that uh, there's no real clear-cut keeper option, which is why Ederson seems to be standing out, you know, not on his own, but a little bit from the rest. So, uh, yeah, Chelsea is just, uh, you have your, I have my three players and I just have to hope they, they continue to return or not continue, start to return um, starting this game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm praying that there's no Mendy return for the bench boost. But I think after that, you'd hardly play. I mean, if you look at Chelsea's fixtures after after this week, um, Brighton at uh, sorry, Wolves away is fine. I think Chilwell is playable. But am I confident with Chilwell and Kepa? I don't know. Then Brighton at home, there's nowhere they're keeping a clean sheet. Brentford <laughs> at home, I mean, Tony's there. Maybe that's okay. But then, then you get to game week thirty-five and thirty-six when they have two easy games with Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. But I don't think you can afford to keep Chilwell until then if you want to get a a Liverpool defender. So Chilwell has to do something in the next two three game weeks because that's it. That's the time he's got left. Yeah, yeah, I see him going very soon. Let's finish by talking Arsenal because um, it seems very strange that the team top of the league has been the one that's been most sold last game week because they had an easy fixture against Leeds in which they scored four goals, which was expected. So, given that we don't have any spaces in midfield or very few spaces, and if you were to go for a Saka again, you would be sacrificing a Bruno or you would be sacrificing a Salah or a City mid. Jesus becomes a little bit interesting because of that real estate, because of the fact that you can get that attacker from Arsenal who would continue to play and he looked decently fit. He even took a pen. I don't think he'll take pens if Saka returns, but you, is that something you've considered? Yeah, but for a hefty price, right? Hefty in the sense that... Um, what is How he, much eight, is he? Eight, 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 eight million? Something like that. Maybe he's dropped off a little bit, but um, yeah, if you're going for the likes of Salah, Salah Bruno in your midfield... And Holland up top with Trent by game week thirty four. Can you even afford him? I'm not even sure. So mm. seven point nine compared to Watkins who's seven point four. So it's not a massive sacrifice. That is true. Yeah. You can you can get there, I think. Yeah. And we talked about it in the previous uh, or or the one before where I think the way to differentiate the season for this run in is not midfield because everybody will have the same midfield, is going to be your strike force. Um, so if your five attackers are similar and Haaland is similar, it's really your seventh attacker. So others might go for, um, you know, let's say let's say some will have Kane and then they'll have to downgrade them. So they'll end up with Watkins as their main striker. Some may have Isak, some may have, um, you could have Jesus. I think it's perfectly viable. And you'd have all the Arsenal attack to yourself because Arsenal attack is going to be very low on for the run-in. Yeah. And I do get that their fixtures are very, very tough, but 
let's what are you expecting against liverpool i jamie carragher in uh, monday night football yesterday was convinced liverpool will beat them i'm not convinced at all yeah i think there's uh, goals to be seen in in these games and they're capable of scoring three four goals against any team really um, and if anything the liverpool city games pre- and chelsea games present themselves as i don't know about super high scoring but you know two plus type of type of three plus goals type of games the thing about Jesus is he's still under, you know, um, injury watch um, in terms of minutes. So I would just kind of see week by week if his minutes are increasing. He is an essential core player to that team. So once he gets the ball running, I don't see him getting dropped or I don't see him, you know, coming off the bench. I do see him continue to start or, you know, really lock up that spot once again. So um, you, just, you just have to see if his minutes start to go up in the next two or three game weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair. I mean, Liverpool. I think let's just let's just quickly go through the fixture. Liverpool they score a couple of goals. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. So then West Ham away. West Ham away is after West Ham have played in Europe, and they are rested. And same thing, by the way, this week. Liverpool, Arsenal are having a nice little rest while Liverpool are playing, and um, and then um, and then they play them. So a couple of goals there. I think West Ham they score two three goals. Then they have Man City. Again, you never know about Man City. Maybe one goal there. That's the low-scoring one. Then they play Chelsea at home. I think they can batter them. Newcastle away is difficult. Maybe maybe one one goal there or, or two. Then Brighton at home. I expect goals. Nottingham Forest away. Wolves at, at home. So I think... Yeah. I think you can take a punt on Jesus if he's fit. Yeah. Yeah, it comes, again, comes down to opportunity costs. Midfield... I don't think that opportunity cost is worth it. Maybe just one, maybe in Saka or, or even a Martinelli in Gaming 34. But as you mentioned, Jesus presents himself as a differential because the striker options are where we can kind of differentiate with other managers. Yeah. And then defense, I think, avoid. I think defense is avoidable, given the yeah. fixtures I've just yeah. put out. Yeah, we've got plenty of uh, defensive options. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good That's stuff. about it. Yeah. Uh, too early to talk about bus teams, but I think initially we're both looking at getting Haaland back if he's fit. Correct. I'm also looking at additional getting Edison back um, if I don't really feel um, confidence in Chelsea again. So that's about it where we are. Uh, in terms of captaincy, I think we should talk about for captaincy for two minutes. If Haaland is not fit, where are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I haven't really thought that too far about that. Yeah. Who's your bus captain? Right now? Yeah. Uh, again, I haven't really thought that far. Okay. Well, I have <laughs> looked at... I have looked at Rashford, obviously, but this was before the humbling at uh, at Newcastle. So we will see. Look, I expect the home form to come back. So the Brentford at home game is a good one. I think if if, if you see a little bit of energy in the team, then, then Rashford for me is, is a clear choice. Um, as I said, Watkins at home, Nottingham Forest is a good fixture. Kane at home to Brighton is a good fixture. So there are options. And people with Madison, I don't think I'd trust Barnes with the captaincy, but but Madison at home to Bournemouth also is, is a good option. So there are a lot of alternatives for people who wanted to risk it without uh, Haaland. Yeah, if, uh, I'm just looking at it now. If Haaland isn't an option, there are some interesting... I think Rashford stands out, but uh, you could easily go for a Brighton midfield at captain as well against Tottenham and, and Kane, obviously, but... Newcastle, maybe. Uh, Newcastle. Is that what, maybe? Uh, away to Brentford. I don't away. know. Yeah, not good yeah. then. Anyway, so there are options. Um, 
that's about it. I have to run. Okay. So thank you very much. And we will see you soon. See you next week. But you will see us before. Yep. Um, okay. Thanks, Pross. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. And uh, have a good game week, guys. All right.